0: Amen. Okay, so let's start. We're going to read an entire chapter this morning, okay? It's not really long, so don't get too worried. It's not Psalm 119, but, you know, it's not really long. Uh, but I, I just couldn't find a place to not read uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 55. So uh, let, let's read here together if we can. Come. There's, I, this happened in the first service. Man, I read that first word, and I just had to stop a minute. Um. I kind of knew this would happen. There is is so much here. And I don't have time to preach all this here this morning. I don't know. If you do, I do. You know, you got time, I got time. But I I don't think you've got time for me to preach. Man, there is so much here. Come. No matter where you're at today, no matter what mess you've got in your life today, he says, come. Come. Because where he's at, he's the one, he's king over all the messes. He can fix us. So no matter what you're, he says, come. to Everybody, Come. Come, all of this, listen to this. Come, all you who are thirsty, anybody thirsty, come to the waters. And you have no money, come, buy and eat. Wait a minute, how do you buy and eat when you don't have money? He said, come to this place. Because even those of you who don't have money, you can buy and eat because, it's, this is what he says about it. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. It doesn't cost you anything. He's talking about spiritual stuff here. And I know so, oh, he's just talking about Spears, he's not talking about what I really need this week. No, no, no. He's talking about something you need more important than what you think you need this week. Why spend money on what is not bread? Come on. And your labor on what does not satisfy. You see, we got our attention on all those things, And he says, "No, no, 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 there's something much better, and it's free. There's something much better for you, and it's free. Uh, Listen, 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 listen to me. Eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Uh, Covenant is uh, much stronger than, than promise or even contract or commitment. Covenant, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. He's speaking of David there. And I got another slide coming up. (laughs) Thank you. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. We're talking about right now. I mean, this is a moment. You know, you might not have had a moment this week that you could, but this is a moment for you to seek God. And, and you know, and this might be the best moment you have for the next week. So take advantage of it. Seek him while he may be found. Draw near to him while he, while he is right here. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the righteous, their thoughts, unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Doesn't cost you a thing. He will freely pardon, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and they don't return to it yet, they don't just go right back Without first watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it it, yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. God says, so is my word that comes, that issues forth, that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void or vain. But it's going to accomplish exactly what I desire. And it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy. You will be led led forth in peace. Somebody needs that this morning. Somebody needs the joy and the peace of God to go before you. You will go out in joy. You will be led forth with peace. The mountains uh, and the hills, they will burst into song before you. I don't know. I read that and I think of the sound of music, you know? Just, you know, just, uh, you know, you look at at her at that moment, you know, when she's saying, and then you think, oh man, that's just silliness. Nobody lives in that. You know, we don't live in that physically, but you can live in that spiritually, where the hills and the mountains, they will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And instead of the thorn bush, will grow the juniper. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. And this will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Wow. Can I tell you something? That's how you read the word. I mean, if you, you read the word and there's nothing there, that's how you read the word. You take your time. You dig into it. You let it dig into you because in every, every word of the word of God, in, in, in every verse, in every phrase, in every word, in every syllable, there's life. There is, there is strength. There is help. There is hope. There is joy. There's something in there in every single word. It's, it's that that he was talking about, not that stuff that you're worried about getting this week, that you're worried about how am I going to be able to purchase and what do I need? Not that stuff, something so much more important than that stuff. And it's right there in every single, that's the way to read, try that. If your devotion time is it's kind of lifeless, try that. Just try it like we just did it right then. Take some time and just say, ooh, what is in there? Because there's some good stuff. And so this morning, there's, there's one verse in there where he talks about his ways and his thoughts being higher. That's where the title for this, this week's message comes from, it's that God's way is greater than my way. Here's the thing, you know, and, and, and this chapter is so, it's so rich. Uh, that God led me to that verse for this week. And, and so I was thinking, do I read a couple of verses before? A couple, you know, what, what do I read? I got to read that verse. What else? Are, I just couldn't throw any of chapter 55 out. I had to read the whole thing. It was just so amazing and awesome. And I knew some of you needed to hear it. So this week, our, our message is God's way is greater than my way. Uh, just as a reminder of uh, the other sermons that have been preached. We have a message that is greater than Sunday. Our message is bigger than an hour and 10 or 15 minutes. It's bigger than that, so we need to be sharing it. God wants to take you to a greater than life. You've got a greater than life, maybe, than one you're living. This was John's message when he filled in and did an awesome job. Nothing is greater than God. Nothing, no no thing. God's dream is greater than our dream. That was a part one and a part two. And God's family is greater than me. Amen. God's way today. God's way is greater than my way. Now, here's, here, here's the way we sadly look at this sometimes. Sadly, we look at this in, in just the wrong way. Is that God's way is greater than my way, that we have to follow God's way. Okay, yeah, I know. I've got to be obedient. And God says do it this way, and i got to do it this way because God said do it this way. That's backwards thinking. You're, you're, you're doing things just simply out of forced obedience when you think that way, and you're missing the whole point. It's not that God says, do it this way because I said so. Didn't you always hate that when your parents said that? Or did you ever have a parent that said that because I said so? I always said, I'll, my, my dad used to say that to me sometimes. I'd say, I, I'm, when I grow up, I will never tell my kids that. Come on, all you parents know what happened, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know, there, there came that first day, finally, after the kids, you know, my son or my daughter, you know, just kept saying, but why, but why, but why, until finally I said, because I said so you know you just had to get cut to the chase but God doesn't say that it's not just because he said so sometimes we just we don't understand okay do it because he said so but that's not the reason for it we don't walk in his way the way that he he says is best because he said so rather he says so because it's the best way Because the the verse from Isaiah 55 says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is thinking on an entirely different plane than you and I are thinking. He knows the future. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And he looks at all of these things and he says, this is the best way for you. And I know what we try to do is we say, but God, I like this way over here better. Can't you bless me over here? You know, and so we want to go our way just a little bit. And it's not far off of the path. God, just tweak this one little thing, you know, and we want to do our thing. And God said, but this is the best way. And it's not that God says, okay, if you go over there, I ain't going to bless you. Now, there are some ways you will walk. God, I just can't touch that. But most of the, you know, most of us Christians, you're trying to follow God a little bit. We just kind of choose our way a little bit. And God said, here's the thing is God saying, I will bless you the best I can there. But the problem is you don't see what I see on that path. You don't know the stuff that's going on that path. You don't know the people that you're going to run into that are going that are going to, you know, I'm seeing great things for you. You don't know the people that are on that path that are seeing bad things and want to put bad things in you. You're going to you're going to see temptation, have temptation presented to you on that path that you will not have presented to you on this path. You're going to have problems on that path. But God says, that's why I've chosen this path. That path has problems and temptations and troubles and, and trials and, 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 and it's dark. And your enemy, your enemies are there hiding out for you, but this is the path. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems, but He says, this is the path, the best path. And so when we choose that, we're putting ourselves in the best place. It's not that we have to follow God because He's God. Yeah, we do. But it's the fact that He sees everything. And it's not the best path because he chooses it. He chooses it because it's the best path. And when you get to that understanding and you say, when God speaks, you say, oh, well that, he, he knows things I don't know. I mean, Man, all the time, I'm praying that. I say, God, you know the future. I mean, you know, you know I, you, in the market for a used vehicle. I mean, hey, God knows what's wrong with that vehicle. The guy uh, that owns it right now that's selling it to you, he might not tell you what's wrong with that vehicle. God knows what's wrong with the vehicle. And so the man you pray, say, God, show me what I need to do. And God might not tell you what's wrong with that vehicle, but he might tell you, you don't need this vehicle. And you walk away and say, I, you know, I don't know. And you might not ever know what was wrong with that vehicle, but you listen to God because he knows the best way. So you got to get that in your, and, and, you know, I'm going to tell you three things. I want to talk to you about three areas of God's way. And I think if if you don't, if you just don't believe me that God's way is better than your way, I think the first one, I think this first one, if it doesn't convince you, I, I don't, maybe nothing will. But this first one is how God, God's way of dealing with sin. Okay, now I know. Now we're scared. Okay, the pastor's gonna talk about sin. He's gonna talk about dealing with sin. And, and, oh man, we, we, we start thinking about the sin that is in our life and in our past. And we're like, oh my goodness, you know, how God is gonna to have to deal with our sin. Can I tell you something? God doesn't have to deal with our sin today. He dealt with it 2,000 years ago. He doesn't deal with your sin. You have to deal with your sin, but He doesn't deal with it. You see, Jesus Christ became our sin. And then he went and he hung on the cross and he died. And since he was my sin, my sin is already dead on the cross of Calvary. All I got to do is just accept that. You know, I don't have to, he doesn't have to deal with it. I have to deal with it by just that. It's already dealt with. Let me take you to Romans chapter three, verse 23, verse 24. For all have sinned. We all know that, right? And we all fall short of the glory of God. But all are justified freely. It doesn't cost you a thing. Again, boy, that's been a theme, hasn't it? In the songs that we sang, in the scriptures that we already read, we're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. It's already taken care of. Okay, But you, you, you know how we deal with our sin, right? You, you mess up, you blow it, you fall on your face, what do you do? You start thinking, you know, you got to repent to God for about... You know, according to how bad the sin was, right? You know, if it's a little bitty thing, you just say, God, I'm sorry about that. You know, but if it's a really big one, you know, you're going to pray for two weeks. Two weeks, you know, I got to pray, I got to pray, got to pray, I got to pray. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. What? You know, but none of that gets you your salvation. It is not, it is not in your prayers. Or, or you got you to do something. You got to help somebody. Or you got to, that's what we do is we feel like we've got to somehow compensate for our sin. Let me ask you, all the good deeds and all the good works and all the stuff that you've ever done, the, the you know, uh, helping a, a widow lady out or, or, or buying somebody's meal behind you and Jack's, you know, and for breakfast that morning or what all the good that you've ever done, uh, you know, missions trips and whatever, all the good that you've ever done, how much of your sin have you compensated for by your good works? You know, now, uh, there is no way to quantify this, <laughs> you know, but, I, I mean, just, 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 there's no way. I mean, I've just got to throw a word, throw a number out there. But just say that with every single good work in all of your life, you could compensate for maybe 5% of your sin. That wouldn't be enough, would it? And there's no way you could compensate for all of it. But the good news is, He doesn't require you to. Because your good works will never compensate for sin. But His grace already has compensated for your sin. You said, the Word of God tells us, it tells us that we are saved by grace. Now, these are all thoughts from the Word of God. We're saved by grace unto good works. We're saved by grace to do good works. We're saved by grace to be zealous or passionate about good works. I mean, you know, you get saved and, and you think about what Jesus did for you hanging on the cross. Man, you want to do something for Somebody. I mean, you know, unless you're just a really selfish person, but hopefully if you get saved, you know, that'll change too. You know, but I mean, to you get zealous for good works and to continue in good works, not to just do it a little bit and say, okay, I got my thing done. We're, but all these good works and all these things right here, all these themes right here of unto do and, and uh, be zealous and continue in good works, those are all from scripture. All those thoughts are from Scripture, and so we're supposed to be doing that, and we're saved to do those things, but nowhere in Scripture does it say those things save us. You know that old song? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Yeah, it's not my works, but it's His grace. Oh, and doesn't that change the whole perspective of things? Right, now listen, Pastor did not say you don't need to do good things. You see, you right there. You are saved unto to do good works, to be zealous, to continue. But the way it changes the perspective is now no longer am I under this pressure of I got to do good because I've sinned, and I've got I no longer am I under this pressure of oh I messed up yesterday, and so I gotta I gotta I gotta fix this thing out. Now wait a minute, my salvation's taken care of. And so now, and one of the things we say around here every once in a while at 2911 is we don't want anybody to work in ministry. We don't want you to work in ministry. We want you to serve in ministry. We want you to do what God has gifted you. This takes you out from under the pressure. Grace takes you out from under the pressure from having to earn your salvation to now you say, wow, now I'm already saved so now I get to do something just out of the zealousness or the passion of my heart. In my life, yesterday I was at the funeral of uh, my dad's oldest brother, 82 years old, and and uh, one of his former pastors was speaking in the, uh, the middle of the of the funeral, and he told a little thing, and I thought, wow, I got to use that tomorrow. That fits, and I knew right where it fit too. You know, I got to use that tomorrow. And uh, he he would talk. He talked about my my uncle Alton. And about all that he had meant to the church, I uh, said that uh, he said, "When I was pastor here, alton and peggy 's Sunday school class was the biggest of all the classes." He said they were most involved. They helped me fit in. They, they helped me uh, get work done, keep the church moving in the right direction. All this and all this and, uh, and he just went on and talked about his you know his, his civic stuff that he had done and uh, you know he was uh, a mechanical engineer. He was on the NASA uh, Saturn program. You know that, that was before Apollo for uh, you youngsters. Uh, you know it, it predates me too, but uh, you know I do remember it uh, as far as you know, I did read about it. You know, but uh, you know, so he'd done all these things. But he said, he said, there's was, the was story that is told of a man in a great ministry who invited another minister to go along with him. And he said they get to this place and, uh, you know, like a mission field or something. They're in the city and they're, they're, uh, they're sharing with one another and in the, in the community and they're hanging out. It gets time to go actually into the city and, and they start that way. And the man that is leading kind of the ministry, the man that is the lead minister, he goes ahead. You know, he knows he's got to get there. But the guy that is following him, he kind of gets caught up in conversation with people around him and everything. And he starts lagging behind. He gets farther and farther behind, and when uh, the lead minister gets in through the gates of the city, they start to close the gates, and then all of a sudden, now the minister following said, oh my goodness, you know, I'm about to get shut out. The gates are being closed, perhaps for the night, you know, and, and they'll not be open again until tomorrow, and he looks, and, he's, and he said, There's no, I'm not going to make it before they get the gates closed, and he sees the minister that he's followed now to this ministry, and he, and he yells out to him, he says, Just tell him to hold the gate. I, and, and as he's telling the story, my mind's going in about four or five different directions. where, where he's going with this? Is yours? <laughs> right now, you know, think about it. where's he going with this? And he said, you know, because I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about those five wise and five foolish virgins. You know, they're going to close the gate. God said, I'm sorry. But he said, no. He said, the, the minister inside the gate yelled at the men closing the gate. And he pointed and said, hold the gate. He's with me. And he said, you know, we're all going to come to a place that Alton came to, that this week when he left this earth and he saw Jesus for the first time, it's as if maybe he saw Jesus inside the gate and, and, and Jesus, when he saw him, he spoke to the gatekeepers and he said, he's with me. And he said, none of these good works that I've been telling you about that Alton did is what's going to get him inside the gate. But it's the fact that Jesus says, he's with me. That's God's plan for dealing with your sin. That's a whole lot better than mine. That's a whole lot better than beating myself up for all of my failures. That's a whole lot better than working myself to death, feeling like I have to earn my way back into God's love and grace. It's just freely given. Okay, come on, somebody. Can you say amen that that has got to be better than my plan? Yeah, then what about God's plan for the church? His way for the church is better than my way, okay? Um, what God wants is greater than what, what I want. Matthew 6, 34 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You remember I, I used this uh, sermon uh, this, in a sermon just a couple of weeks ago and talked about all those things that we need, but he says, seek me first. What God wants is greater than what you want. What God wants, can we agree together? I think we can all agree to this, that what you want is not synonymous with what is best. Amen? Right. But what God wants is what is best for you. Those are synonymous. See, we gotta get this idea that, that, it's, it's not, it's not about, we shouldn't be in an argument with God. It's not about that. It's about finding the very best for our life. And that's what He wants out of it. He wants the very best for our life. At 101, if you've not been to uh, 101 yet, we do it on the first Sunday of the month, incidentally, if you've not been. One of the things I, I, I stress there is here at 2911, we don't do what we want to do. I, you know, now I've pastored churches that we did what we wanted to do. I mean that's just the way it was. Uh, You know, we did what we wanted to do. Everybody kind of gets together and and, and votes, you know, or whatever. You know, the problem with that, the problem with that is uh, that's a democracy, and we're really supposed to be a theocracy. You know, meaning that God's in charge. I don't know any of y'all ever play basketball. Any of you guys ever play basketball? You know, now I was a, you know, I had a little height. You know, I kind of sprouted up then quit, you know, but I had a little height, you know, early, but the problem is I, you know, a little too skinny to really be under the boards because, you know, to get the you know, you wanna get the rebounds, you know, you it's kind of the guys with the biggest hips, you know, were the ones that get the rebounds. And ones with the, you know, ones that had the weight to throw around, you know, they were the ones they get the position and, and that's the way it was in church too. The people with position. The people with the weight to throw around. But at twenty nine eleven what we've decided is There's only one that has position. There's only one that has weight to throw around. And it's his way. I mean, that's the way it's got to be. We don't do what we want to do because what we want to do is not the best. What we want is not what is best, but what he wants is always best. So that's the way we do that. But it hit me the other day, and I shared just a growth track last week. It just hit me the other day. I said, but you know, we do have a place at 2911 where people do what they want to do. Small groups, that's what they are, you know. But we, yeah, So, I mean, if you got something you love to do, you do a small group. I don't have time to preach you that message. See Gary Creel after service. He'll preach you that message about how that's the place where you can do, really, I mean, you can do your passion thing kind of, you know, as well as serving on a team. But, I mean, we, we don't, I just want you to know we don't sit around and vote, you know, here. The leaders don't get together and say, oh, I want to do this. "No, oh, I want to do that. We, we don't do those kinds of things. For example, and listen, there's a couple of stories I tell at 101 that you need to hear, okay? Because there's been a couple of things that the pastor absolutely loves to do around 2911, and the leaders had to tell me we had to quit doing it. I can't tell you what they are. It becomes 101 if you had not been, and you hear what they are. I, I love them, and they said, but you know, pastor, they, they aren't working. And I'm like, I don't care if they're not working. I, I like to do them, you know? And that's the way a lot of people are a lot of churches are. And I said, wait a minute, we don't do things because we like them. We do what God tells us to do and what we know is working. And here's another case in point. I'll I'll, I'll give you this one. It's because I've I've, I've got quite a few friends. Some of them pastoring larger congregations than this. Some pastoring even smaller congregations than this that have built big buildings, big worship facilities. And after service, they don't chase the kid's pastor down and say how did it go today? Like today, we've got a big launch down there, lots of cool things. I mean, you need to go check that out if you had not seen it yet. And You know, it's new, even a revamped logo, lots of cool stuff, you know. They don't chase the kids pastor down. They don't chase the worship pastor down and say, hey, I I know there's a couple of things there. What can we do to tweak it? They chase the church treasurer down and say, what was the offering today? Because they have a huge church payment to make. And the thing on their mind the thing on their mind is we've got to make this church payment. We've got to make this church payment. We've got to make this church. And I, I I, I have been dead set against building a big, huge building. I don't want a big, huge building that we've got. And the only thing I can think about on Sunday morning is I hope there's enough money that comes in in the offering. I don't ever want to be there. I've told God that. I've told, I've told people that. I said, Pastor, why don't we go buy some property and build a big. And I said, I, I don't want a big church payment. I want to do ministry. I don't want to worry about the, I don't want to worry. And you know what? And God is doing that. We're not putting our emphasis on that. We receive the offering at the end of the service. We don't even say anything about it most weeks. You know, and listen, if you're a first time attender, those bags there back there, I want you to uh, just drop that card in there and walk right on by. That is for us. That is not for, you know, that's not a request. That is for us. That belong here because we said this is our vision, and we 're funding this vision and you know what i, I got to tell you this past week was an awesome thing that, that happened because you guys are funding the vision here is we get this we get this regularly we we uh, were found out about a lady who was connected to this church she doesn 't attend this church she lives about forty minutes away from here elderly lady she her, her porch was falling in on on her mobile home and uh, and, and she couldn 't afford to replace it and so uh, you know I found out about it the facilities team was busy with a whole lot of things, but we were able to find one of the guys, and, and so I went with him, and I love doing that kind of stuff, you know, uh, I guess it's kind of my relaxation, you know, do, do all the ministry and then get out there and actually work with my hands, and, and, uh, I, I just assisted him, and, and we built this lady a porch, and, and and because of the, because of the, uh, the way you give and say, I'm funding this vision, you know, we had decided, we get to do these kinds of things on occasion, and we decided, you know, we can afford two hundred and fifty dollars. We'll pay two hundred and fifty dollars toward toward the materials and you know, uh and we can afford to pay even more of that, but we can't give all the money away at one little thing. You know, we have to have to take you know take it according to God. And and so we prayed about, you know, Ah, we can probably do a 250. And we told the family, okay, we're going to do 250 and we're going to build it. You're going to have to cover any expense over 250. Can I tell you what God did this week? It's this so cool. It's we had four tickets. We, we, we bought the main stuff and then we thought about some other stuff we needed. So we had two tickets immediately. We ran short of a two before, We needed one more two 4 and, and then we had to go back and get one more two of six. And so we had four tickets. But then we had some things that we took back. And guess what the, guess what the total came out to be? About $246 and some change. Isn't that God? Isn't that amazing? And you know, then I was able to tell the family. It's like, you know, here's two guys, that, you know, pastor that just loves to just be in the middle of that. And one of the other guys said, man, this was great, awesome ministry and even paid the bill for it. That's what we get to do because we don't have that big church payment. And so, you know, we've been looking for space for a year and a half, really two years. We've been, uh, we've been looking for two years and we've been looking hard for about a year and a half. And then last year, you know, I've had all these people keep coming to me, Pastor. You need to go look at that IGA building up in up in Kimberly. Oh man, um, my time's getting away from me. I don't have time to tell you all this. Okay, I do not have time to tell you. If you were not here last November and you want to know the story, please, I want to tell you the story about how we got to here. Let me just say, we can't. Aff- that's a thirty-four thousand square foot building. You know, that's that's four times as big as every single square inch of this building, even counting the dungeon down here. Uh, you know, I don't know what the dungeon is, but yeah, we call it, I call it the dungeon, you know. Counting every, that is four times as big as this building, you know. And, and, and it's just amazing how things began to work out. And can I tell you this? We can afford it. And I don't mean we can afford it and, and have to hinder ministry. It is amazing to me. And, and we're already approved for the loan. Everything is done. Everything except the rezoning. You know, I mean, if we are approved for the home. We would have closed on it last December if it had been if the zoning had been approved. And so, I mean, we could buy the building. We could buy the building tomorrow, but we'd have to start a grocery store in it. So we're trying to get the rezoning done so we don't have to be a grocery store. We could actually be a church there in the village. You know, I, but everything is done besides that. And so, and so, you know, and, and and so we're working on that. And we're going. And you know what? I, I was I was kind of opposed to this. It was like, oh no, God, I don't want a big church payment. God said, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm doing. I'm working the financing out for you. It's not going to be a big church payment. We're getting, we're getting that building, and we've already got this building sold here. We haven't closed on it. We've already got this building sold. We're going to take the proceeds from this to fix that into a church, the insides of it, to put up walls and things, and God's already working this out. We're going to get that building for less then we could go out and buy a piece of property and rebuild this building for. That's God. That's God who is looking at everything and says, "I know it looks better over here, but let me tell you, I got a plan right here." That's what God does. His way is greater than my way, you know. And what you think? Oh, I've already got this figured out. God, I don't want a big church. And God said, "I don't want you to have a big church. I want you to do ministry." You know. And I told, I got to tell you that I told God. I said, "God, we don't need that big a building yet." And He said, "But I do." it uh, was one of those times, God just right back, but I do. I said, okay, God. That's when I said, okay. When, he, when I heard that, I said, okay, God. But you know what we do in, 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 when we get God's direction? You know what we all like to do? We like to jump to the end, don't we? we want, and God said, don't, don't, don't skip the journey. You know, because if it, wasn't, if it wasn't about the journey and the path, then any way that gets you there is okay, but there's a journey. And this journey is the best journey and so God has led us to a half step, two steps to get there. And so we were in a hurry to get there because, man, everything's working. You know, then all of a sudden, oh, wait, hold on. Okay, we're going to hold this. And so now we're working on that zoning thing. And so God said, in the interim, we're going to start a third service. It's two, a third service two weeks from today, we're going to start a third service. And if you, were in, you weren't in the first service, some of you were in the first service, but first service this morning was almost as packed as this service as far as in here in the sanctuary. I don't know what they had in the kids. And so you know, people are starting to come back from a summer vacation. Thank God. Now y'all are coming back for saying. But we know that uh, two weeks there's a holiday weekend, and we know some of you are going to probably have to be one last little thing. So the week after the holiday, uh, yeah, the week after the holiday, one yeah, the week after the holiday, we're starting a third service. And we'll be telling you more about that, but we're doing that because that is a half step getting to where God is leading us. Okay. Uh, last thing it leads us to this also. And, and listen, we've done this before, obviously, right? We've added a second service. Now we're adding a third. We, don't, we didn't add a second service to make room for us. We've all got a seat. We're adding a third service to make room for those who need to be here, which leads me to the last point, God's plan for evangelism, his way for evangelism. Matthew, I'm sorry, this is my fault. Matthew, that is not Matthew 6, 34. Y'all ignore that up there. Okay? It's Matthew 28, 19, 20. Okay, Uh, the Great Commission is greater than any pursuit, any other pursuit. There is nothing you can do that is more important than the Great Commission. Did you hear that? I I, I think you heard it, but I don't think you understood it. What I am doing right now is not more important than the Great Commission. The, The most beautiful song they can sing and play is not more important than the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the most important. I've likened it so many times to how we parents talk to our kids. I mean, if your kid is leaving for, on Friday night, they're leaving, getting in a car, about to go hang out with all their friends, you know, and be out till who knows how long, and you're worried about all the stuff being, what do you tell them? The last thing. You tell them a joke? Hey, hey, share this with your friends. This is a cool joke. Let me tell you. Is that what you do? Do you tell them a joke? No, you tell them, you tell them the important stuff. You, you say, be careful here to do this, do this. You know, you, you, you remind them what time they've got to be home. Up until the time my father in law went into the nursing home and, and uh, died several months later, up until the time he went into the nursing home, every time that my wife would leave his house, if he was out there and was able to say it, every time. Now, I'm talking about my adult wife. We were married, we had kids, she was grown. She had her own driver's license. She had a job. We were at, when he went to the nursing home, we actually lived in Chicago. She had been around the block a few times, okay? But every time up until he went into the nursing home, she, he would remind her, don't pick up any hitchhikers. And if you know Deva, there is not a chance in this world she's going <laughs> to pick up any hitchhikers. <laughs> but he would remind don't pick up any hitchhikers. It's like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, yeah, but he said, don't pick up any hitchhikers. And our kids, when our kids uh, got close to teen years, and then when they started driving themselves, they were, they were teenagers. Brent uh, had just graduated from high school when he passed away, and so they were both driving, and, and what he would tell them was, don't do drugs. Don't do, he didn't tell them a joke. The last thing he told them was, don't do drugs. And as far as we know, they didn't try drugs. Maybe that was because their granddad always said it, but it was important to him that she not pick up any hitchhikers and they not do drugs. <laughs> and so that was the last thing. These words right here are the last words of Jesus that Matthew remembers. I'm getting in my car leaving home, you know, and, and, and Matthew said, I remember Jesus. The very last thing he said to me was, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all the way even to the end of the world. That's the last thing Matthew remembers Jesus saying. And Jesus wasn't telling a joke. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, I thought about this the other day. He said, let me tell you the most important thing to me. There is no greater pursuit than the Great Commission. Every one of us knows people who are unchurched. Or let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand just yet. I want you to just think a minute. How many of you know somebody who is de-churched? And what I mean by de-churched, they grew up in church and they're no longer in church. Or maybe they were in church for a year or two and they're no longer in church. Perhaps they got over on their little path and they had some temptation that drew them away. Perhaps they got on their little path and somebody in a church might have hurt them, but they're no longer in church. Think about it just a moment. Don't raise your hand, just yet. How many of you know someone who's de-churched? I don't really want you to raise your hand. I just really wanted you to think about it so you would know. I'm going to have to raise my hand here in a minute. Every one of us probably knows someone that is de-churched. There is nothing that you will do this coming week that is more important than reaching out to someone who is not in church today. According to that word right there, that is not my word. That's his word. And I save this last little statement for the end of this series. We're about to come to the front and close. This last statement right here. When we stop inviting the unchurched, we will cease to be 2911. is, that's our vision. It's, it's our vision statement, basically. And when we, when we stop inviting the unchurched, we're no longer 2911. This church was not planted to be, and there are plenty of churches on Mount Olive Road. This church was not planted to be another church that church people can go to. And, and listen, I want you to understand, if you've got, I know you've got church friends at churches, and they say, Man, I'm really struggling where I'm at, and I, I'm looking for another church, and I know you want to invite me. I'm not saying don't, in, don't tell them about the good things going on here, but that's not our vision. Now we've got, we obviously have some church people here that they had to come help us with a vision, and they keep coming which just gives us more and more people to reach. But that's the whole thing. If church people are coming here to just find a place to be churched, then we're no longer 29-11. And, and, and you might tell those people, hey, yeah, awesome things are coming. But we can never lose sight of the calling God has given us as 29-11 is to reach the unchurched. There are plenty of churches for the church. I, I, could go, I could go to about five different churches on this road today, sing the songs, and sing every word. I was in a Methodist church yesterday. We sang high hymns, some that y'all don't know the words to, and I sang the, I sang the words. I wasn't raised in a Methodist church, but I've been around. I, I could fit in. There are plenty of churches for the church. We're a church that wants to be able to reach the unchurched, and when we quit doing that, you know somebody. So let me say it one last time and, and stop right here. There is nothing you can do this week more important than reaching out to someone who is not in church today. Stand with me. If you will, come to the front. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close at the front with a final prayer and a final song. We don't do anything weird down here, promise. It's kind of like a first step. It's kind of like, okay, we're moving toward God. We're moving toward this Thing that he's churning in us today we've uh, we're really working on cutting the fluff out of our sermons our services so and uh so we're really at that place that we we know we can go to the third services we're cutting down some things but and and jamie and and everything else is being cut and so it's like i'm i kind of took advantage of the 40 40 minutes that i had today you know uh, uh but I appreciate you staying with me in this because this is important because this is, this, is, this is almost in a way like a refocusing and a reminder of who we are. And so today I want to I I I challenge you, again, personally, I want to challenge you to commit your way to His way. This sermon series began with the title, Commitment. It, 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 it came back to there's something greater than this. Where do you get that? You get it through commitment. Commit yourself to His way. You committed your eternity to Him, didn't you? You're a child of God. And thank God my name's written up there somewhere in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life, and I've got eternity handled. Why would you commit your eternity to Him and not commit your days to Him? Eternity's handled. What's not yet seen is what tomorrow holds for you. And that's where works and obedience and commitment come into play. You can have eternity handled, but if you're not standing and walking in his way, your days are going to be tough till you get to that eternity. Commit your way to his way. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song.